You're listening to the Hindu Business Lines Field Notes podcast with T.R. Vivek. Dear listeners, welcome back to another episode of Field Notes, a weekly podcast on all things agribusiness from the Hindu Business Line. I'm your host, T.R. Vivek. At the turn of the century, in the year 2000, ITC launched an ambitious program called eChopal. Long before agri-tech had become a buzzword, ITC tried to put the tech into agri. At that time, I can personally recall it generated immense excitement and curiosity. Could information technology, computers and internet, all very expensive and aspirational even for the urban middle class Indians, be put to effective use for the farmers? Internet kiosks in far-flung villages where even the telephone was a rarity. An online marketplace for farmers was the stuff of science fiction back then. What was the company thinking? In the 21 years since its launch, it's fair to say that uh, each Opal has had a roller coaster ride. A subject of numerous case studies at prestigious B-schools, plenty of positive media attention, and then some tapering off towards the end of the 2000s. Where does each Opal stand today when it is old enough to go to the bar in ITC Moria and order a drink? Uh, Has the context of Indian agriculture and the regulatory environment completely changed for uh, each Opal to be relevant even today? To talk about all that, we have with us today S. Shivakumar, the Hyderabad-based group head of agri and IT businesses of ITC. Welcome to Field Notes, Shiva. Thank you, Rick. Uh, Pleasure joining you on this podcast. Sure, take us a bit back in time uh, to 2000s or, or, or a few years preceding that and tell us why eChopal came into being. What were the objectives and what was the problem that ITC was trying to solve? That's a very interesting thread, Vivek. You know, we were trying to solve one problem and the idea that we had was solving a second and potentially a, a bigger problem. And uh, then unless we solve a third problem, we won't be able to meaningfully execute the first two uh, solutions uh, for the first two problems. So in essence, uh, it became uh, an effort to try and solve three different problems. Uh, Let me just uh, quickly narrate them as to what they were. You know, late 90s were essentially the time when it was a post-WTO agreement in agriculture uh, you know, mid-90s, uh, India was a signatory to agreement and uh, the world was looking towards a more competitive trade across nations. And obviously, uh, we had to step up uh, India's competitiveness too. And uh, we were looking as to where we can really cut costs and be more competitive. So that was really the first issue in terms of how do you reduce costs along the chain as processors and exporters. We were looking at the uh, essentially farm to factory chain in the first instance. And then, of course, there were other uh, similar initiatives from factory intern to port and so on. But in this relevant context, it was farm to factory value chain. What are the transaction costs and how can we uh, bring them down to be globally competitive? The uh, second, so then what happened is that uh, the uh, idea that occurred uh, to us was that uh, some of the avoidable costs were because the farmer was going to uh, from village A to a Mandi town B from where uh, we were buying uh, and bringing it to a processing unit C. And uh, so A to B to C was because our farmers were small and quality was uh, quite varying and uh, one needs to put together for a competitive price discovery. 
and uh, uh, for, for scale of economy in uh, logistics. So we thought if we could arrange price discovery in the village, the produce can move from A to C directly and in the process save a lot of avoidable costs. So that was the uh, solution idea. And that was the time, you know, all the internet was becoming common and uh, globally we had many business models uh, that were occurring and urban India, we were just about seeing internet. And we said, why not take it to rural? And then when we looked at the opportunity to enable price discovery in the village for the farmer and then move from A to C, directly gave opportunity to solve another problem, which is the, the need of the buyers, food processors, and customers around the world to look for product integrity. What is the farmer producing? And how do you ensure that the integrity of that product is maintained all through until it actually reach, uh, reaches the consumption? So in the conventional mode of a farmer bringing the produce to Mandi, where the produce was getting aggregated before it got transported, obviously the crop of multiple farmers got uh, commingled. And quite often good, bad, ugly is mixed up uh, to ensure that a fair average quality is brought to the next stage in the supply chain. And maintaining product integrity became another uh, opportunity with the same solution. So it was essentially the same solution. Then we saw opportunity to solve a second problem which then offers us a scope to add value uh, and uh, take it to the consumers. And uh, the third, uh, so now taking it to the ground and executing uh, in the villages with the farmer, all of that meant that if you were just looking at competitiveness within the four walls of uh, an enterprise boundary, then we are only uh, touching the tip of the iceberg. And the real iceberg is in enhancing the competitiveness of the farmers in terms of their own productivity, quality alignment, costs, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we said, we have to solve the problem for the farm uh, to be able to then uh, solve the first two problems for ourselves and therefore enhance the overall competitiveness. And that's really how all three got threaded together when we then conceived uh, the whole model and took it to the ground. Mm -hmm. Shiva, give us a sense of the size and scale of the initiative when it began and uh, how did it benefit the farmers and the company? And also give me a sense of what role did your former chairman at that time, Yogi Deveshwar, what role did he play? Yeah, so we started with the uh, first level of experimentation in about six villages uh, when we started. I mean, like you mentioned in your introduction, it was literally a science fiction. And therefore, whether or not it will work, how it will work, uh, what roles will different stakeholders play. So all of those questions. So one had to start with some level of experimentation. And that's what we had started uh, in 2000 and very rapidly then learned and uh, scaled. And today we reach about 40,000 villages and uh, touch 4 million farmers in terms of the uh, different services uh, that get accessed uh, by the farmers. And uh, so like I mentioned, uh, the third problem, really the benefit that uh, different farmers are gaining uh, is really one, of course, market linkages that one can discover price in the village and therefore a freedom to decide where to sell and more importantly, when to sell. Mm -hmm. See, what happens is that uh, if you're taking the produce to a mandi, and then putting up for auction there, uh, already the cost is sunk. And even if you're not happy with the price, 
uh, you won't bring back your material. Theoretically, you can pull off from the auction, but uh, then that means you are incurring cost twice over and uh, it won't make sense. So now giving the benefit of discovery in the village for uh, that freedom to decide on when uh, to sell and where to sell. Now there are multiple choices the farmer has that I can go to a mandi, I can sell to a village trader, but now with the benefit of information and a third choice of ITC and so on. So that, that's the kind of a market linkage uh, benefit. Uh, and then leading to, if they were to sell to ITC, yeah. And even if you're paying exactly the same price as what is being paid in Monday, typically of the transaction cost that the farmer would incur in terms of uh, the transport will still remain the same. Uh, instead of moving from A to B, the farmer is moving from A to C. Uh, and then we have to obviously create a network uh, with that level of uh, distance uh, for the villages where we are operating with as clusters. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the transaction cost in terms of labor costs, in terms of commission that were being paid out and any other handling losses that were being incurred uh, at these Mondays. So these are all typically uh, anywhere between uh, 40 to 50% of the transaction costs uh, that were being incurred were getting saved uh, as a result. This is typically about 2 to 3% of the transaction value or 25 to 30% of the net income uh, of the farm. The other is uh, in terms of if the farmer was producing uh, the desired quality as the market needs. Now, there is a quality factored price. Uh, in the village, Ichaupal facilitated required rapid testing equipment to be able to assess uh, things like moisture and other hectoliter weight and other damage kernels and those kind of content. All the physical parameters that are typically there uh, and uh, that kind of uh, equipment helped in more objectively assessing the quality. And therefore, a quality factored pricing then started incentivizing required varieties and the right quality. Uh, that, that became another benefit and that typically adds uh, another 2 or 3% of the product price even for a, a marginal improvement in quality because that's what the consumer really values. And a larger benefit is an engagement for productivity enhancement in terms of uh, getting the right weather forecasts and uh, getting the uh, farming practices, the agronomy knowledge, and whatever other inputs that are required for that. And that whole effort then led to productivity enhancement uh, from anywhere between 20% at the lower end uh, to near 100% for some uh, crops. And uh, by virtue of uh, all these kind of benefits, the net incomes uh, of the farmers enhanced uh, in whichever geography that you are operating, whatever crop value chains uh, that you are uh, engaged with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, the whole uh, effort also enabled engagement with the farmers on the natural resources. Uh, things like uh, working on water, how do you work on water saving technologies and efficiency? How do you conserve the topsoil? So all of this also ensured uh, sustainability of the crop production uh, over time. And uh, of course, uh, ITC benefited because this whole model is created in that manner. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, uh, we were as small as 350 crores in size uh, when we launched this initiative in 2000. And uh, today the total agribusiness uh, that goes through uh, this network is 10,000 crores. 
uh, of course, at current value. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a kind of a scaling uh, that occurred. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that became an all-round benefit in terms of what it meant for the farmers, what it meant for environment, which also is more sustainability angle, and then what it, the benefit for ITC. And Did this uh, kind of engagement also help uh, uh, in the near future for you in terms of launching the FMCG business and a lot of your packaged condiments and uh, and the line of uh, staples that you that you uh, forayed into? Yeah, certainly the second and the first and second, both of them uh, together problem that I was explaining. Uh, more importantly, the second and first one is a natural uh, benefit too, is that if you have a, a identity preserved product available for processing at our uh, food processing units, uh, that gives an opportunity for us to deliver the consumer uh, what the consumer needs. Mm -hmm. uh, a simple example is uh, Ashirwa data and uh, the wheat uh, backend. And certainly that uh, helped in every other category like uh, fruit juices or potato-based products and value chains and uh, the other uh, vegetable products that we now have and, and so on. But uh, just to example, in terms of the identity preservation, how it helps, the typical, well, on the face of it, it appears that Atta is an Atta is an Atta. Uh, it's such a simple product. Mm -hmm. But given their own cuisine habits, the cooking habits, the consumer preferences of uh, how Atta should be vary across the country uh, in terms of the color, the texture. So, so let, let me explain how uh, the value really gets added from an FMCG perspective and how the supply chain uh, product like uh, Atta mm. uh, versus what differentiates an Ashirwad Atta is that, uh, you know, consumers in different parts of the country based on their own cuisine and uh, the cooking uh, habits and the practices and uh, depending on which uh, other dishes they are using, the, uh, the roti or uh, whatever other forms of bread that they are using it with, have expectations on what should be the color, the texture, the uh, water absorption capacity or the dough keeping quality and many such characteristics. Mm -hmm. And each of these characteristics is uh, rendered by different varieties of wheat. And Indian farmers actually grow a host of varieties of wheat at the other end. In the conventional system, whether it was going to Mandi uh, and then coming to processor or going to uh, an FCI and then uh, coming into the market, the different variety that the farmers are growing uh, get commingled. And then uh, the identity is lost. And therefore, for a uh, Atta brand to be able to deliver these different properties in a consistent manner for different sets of consumers around the country, mm -hmm. uh, then became a challenge. Where are the identity preserved supply chain? Uh, then brought that uh, opportunity. In a very different manner, when you look at be natural juices, uh, for example, most juices uh, typically that are sold in the country are made out of uh, concentrates that are imported. But I said, let's link back to uh, the uh, farmer who produces those fruits or vegetables uh, and then link up uh, so that you have uh, as fresh input as possible that is uh, going in, keeping all the nutrition and so on. Uh, and, and therefore, one had to work at the back end with the farmers to get the right processing varieties and uh, enhance their uh, other properties and so on to be able to then link up. So very similarly in uh, potato and other vegetables and so on. So uh, the 
supply chain which is efficient in terms of its costs uh, that uh, each opal delivers the supply chain which preserves the identity and extending it further to uh, maintain the traceability back to farm uh, and all the way to the consumption uh, renders itself to value addition and the fact that one is able to work with the farmer uh, to influence these decisions on what crops and varieties and what farm practice and all that uh, enhances the overall competitiveness of the chain and that's how uh the uh, chain certainly uh, helps on an ongoing basis the uh, competitiveness uh, of our uh, packaged foods uh, and other fmcg business also mm-hmm. the uh, you also talked about uh, what role did uh, our then chairman uh, mr deveshwar uh, play right and uh, like i started explaining uh, it was a science fiction and therefore whether it would work Uh, in fact that's the plan with which i had gone to say that you no know, this is the possibility mm-hmm. we don't have all the answers and uh, we would like to uh, experiment uh, and uh, so that's the perspective and opportunity that uh, he saw at that time and uh, felt that this requires all resourcing and support and and uh, the capital that i had asked at that point of time was 50 lakhs of rupees to uh, do this experiment in the first instance and uh, quite interestingly he said uh, uh, i'll give you 10 crores and i had no business model to uh, take 10 crores and uh, return uh, on that capital that is expected mm-hmm. uh, but he said i don't know if you take 50 lakhs uh, it's quite likely you'll run into one or the other problem uh, a few months from now you will exhaust the 50 lakhs and come back and say the model has not worked the fact that uh, it, it's a nice business model with benefits to farmer and to environment uh, wants us to give it a full blooded try and uh, don't hesitate if you don't have a business model today uh, doesn't matter if it fails mm-hmm. but it should not fail for the lack of financial resource and not completing uh, the whole experiment as may be required and uh, and that really enabled me eventually i did end up spending uh, more than 50 lakhs to complete that uh, whole experiment as we had uh, envisaged mm-hmm. uh, by the end of that year uh, i needed about 2 and 1/2 crores uh, we didn't need all that uh, 10 but uh, so that that's a kind of the uh, entrepreneurial no different from a startup that you would see in terms of how do you really bootstrap get some more uh, mm-hmm. angel investment in this case mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. angel uh, really in quotes and then bring it and mm-hmm. that continues today mm-hmm. uh, in terms as we move on to uh, 4.0 how this is visualized what level experimentation is what carried forward mm-hmm. and uh, so today's chairman mr puri uh, coming into uh, then support uh, higher tech uh, so to say uh, in this model so that's the uh, entrepreneurial ways of working mm-hmm. by tc interesting that you recounted the response of deveshwar uh, uh, now you encounter a lot of management buzz phrases like you know fire bullets before you fire cannon balls you know experiment at a small scale and then scale up uh, organization wide it's quite interesting that you know he armed you with cannon balls when you were asking for bullets yeah yeah absolutely in fact the whole model uh, we had branded uh, the process of evolution as uh, roll out fix it and scale up mm-hmm. as in you roll out uh, with the kind of cannon that you said it's not just uh, 
uh, very controlled uh, inside lab kind of an experiment because this is a, a social experiment mm -hmm. uh, life that is occurring and therefore you need that kind of ammunition mm -hmm. and uh, then obviously there will be issues that you need to correct and uh, the fix it component in that process really gives the courage to the whole team to say that, okay, let me experiment. Doesn't matter if a few things don't work, uh, I will correct it uh, before I uh, scale up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that uh, ammunition uh, and the uh, wisdom uh, really helped in uh, institutionalizing this process uh, through the organization. You know, but it also helps that ITC is a you know huge uh, cash-rich company at that point of time. So these big bets could have been taken. It's far easier for an ITC to do it rather than a startup, I suppose. Well, cash, of course, is very important. Uh, but you know, like I said, uh, you deploy cash, there is a return that is expected. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously, model and the entrepreneurial courage, uh, uh, like I just saying uh, when you overlap in terms of your follow-through question, the professional entrepreneurialism, in terms of entrepreneurial as we call it, mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, equally important. So you actually do it in stages. Okay. It's as important to de-risk and make it modular, notwithstanding cash that is available. So therefore, uh, all of this really make it a holistic kind of uh, environment in which uh, innovation uh, thrives. Right. Shiva, uh, things like VSAT links, RNS, internet kiosks might now sound alien to people of a younger generation. Um, given the changes in the communication technology and the regulatory landscape in many states uh, since you started eChopal, how has eChopal itself evolved? Is the model less or more relevant today? Yeah, technology is one component. Certainly, uh, eChopal evolved, uh, the technology in eChopal. Uh, kept changing uh, over time. I mean, of course, all of these uh, VSAT that you talked about, desktops, we have to work with solar mm -hmm. uh, companies to really get the uh, right uh, solar panels that will uh, work even when they are clouds and uh, we have to work with uh, battery for uh, battery companies to get the storage right. So I think that, that was the stage when we started. But uh, by 2009, when mobile phones started penetrating rural, mobile phones became an uh, integral part of the model. Uh, and uh, then as the assisted model in the farms became relevant, the Chopal production care and Chopal, uh, the farmer field schools that were there, uh, then were assisted by people who are carrying mobile uh, laptops and uh, the other uh, tablet and all of that to be able to assist. Uh, the farmers on field. And as we move into uh, the current model of 4.0, it's the microservices architecture, the plug and play uh, of uh, multiple apps into the larger super app uh, that we now have. So I think it, it obviously uh, kept pace, if not shaped uh, the technology evolution uh, in models like this. But uh, let me also point out because obviously the e-preface always is that it's tech uh, that comes top of mind. But uh, as important are a few other aspects in a model and, and then how model uh, is uh, continuing to remain contemporary uh, and uh, if not even more relevant uh, today than ever before. The uh, second piece is the human uh, engagement 
in the form of the institution that got created, the Sanchalaks and the Samyojaks, the relationships and the trust that gets built. Uh, the social capital is as important as the technology infrastructure. So uh, while technology kept evolving and changing, and one had to uh, really shape it and uh, keep pace with it, the, the human perspective and the trust and relationships really kept getting reinforced and that only gets enhanced. Uh, that's a second uh, very critical piece, whatever that uh, we want to add on uh, into the uh, business scope or other methods of modifying this uh, that were uh, part of it. The third piece in some sense is uh, the point that we we're just discussing a little earlier on the uh, ITC's FMCG businesses and the backend angle. The value chains and the brands anchoring uh, the entire uh, backend uh, and each value chain is different in terms of its dynamics and scope and, and therefore uh, create the models which are uh, nuances are very different for different crops. Uh, the wheat model that I explained and, and the fruit or vegetable model that I explained, in itself they are very different in terms of how the value is really created for all the stakeholders and then captured for us to then build on this model and therefore that appreciation of the nuances, not just seen as one Indian agriculture, but the various nuances, that helps keep the model uh, robust as it evolves for different kind of uh, crop allergy. And the last piece is on the partnerships. To complete delivery of a competitiveness enhancement for a farmer, you need weather forecasting uh, companies, you need uh, remote sensing companies, you need uh, input companies, you need financial services companies, and uh, you need government agencies who are uh, providing insurance and uh, all of those kinds of uh, things which come together. And along the journey of each of all, the scope of partnerships also kept evolving. Mm -hmm. In the 1.x series, as we call, uh, it is value chain re-engineering as relevant for different kinds of crops. The role of partners was in really uh, in the logistics and uh, quality uh, uh, evaluation, demand signals getting transmitted back to the farmers and, and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. In the 2.x series, the whole infrastructure that was put up in 1.x was seen as a platform. And that platform enabling similar kind of uh, services and products going back into the villages. Mm -hmm. uh, also, uh, as a reverse flow uh, that it could uh, support. And therefore, whether it was uh, agricultural extension, and the farm inputs and financial service and even consumer goods distribution, organized retail uh, in uh, rural Leta, the Chopal Sagar, the uh, service centers. So that, that really was the evolution in the 2.x. So then we move to a 3.x series where some of these partners, together with them, uh, it became an ecosystem and that ecosystem was offered as a service mm -hmm. to uh, the fourth parties, whether it is for uh, the brand building in rural India, or whether it is uh, farm equipment, uh, Uberized services uh, for hiring and making use of, or for uh, many of the social investments of ITC in terms of the water, climate smart villages. So for all of this, the ecosystem as a service, uh, the 3.x series model is what really helped. Mm -hmm. So now as we are grounding the 4.0 after a significant amount of piloting and experimenting over the last two years, uh, we are creating a meta market. Uh, I, I refer to the microservice, and here also the partners really plug and play. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's more high tech, 
the super app, uh, we, we now call it uh, ITC Mars, uh, the meta market for uh, advanced agriculture and rural services as the acronym. Uh, and then uh, uh, the FPOs coming in and joining from the other side of the physical so that the physical model uh, continues to evolve. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the kind of a, uh, evolution that kept pace, not only on technology front, but also on the human engagement to the new institutions like Sanchalax and all that we created, as also the uh, anchoring by value chains and our own export business mm -hmm. and the scope of partnerships as that evolved. I think in this holistic frame it is how the model uh, has uh, pivoted four times over mm -hmm. uh, in these uh, 20 years. Uh, Shiva, uh interesting to note that the three problems that you listed out that you were trying to solve for at the turn of the century the same issues seem to be relevant even today you know we are still talking about uh, about such issues and today there are many new companies and startups that are claiming to be again solving for the same problems of fragmentation market access or uh, information services and wanting to become platforms do you see them as sort of legacies of, uh, of of the itc model and uh, is there enough business in the market for all of them to succeed? What is your view on the new wave of agri-tech companies and platforms? So in, in a sense, your question had the answer also. Okay. Uh, the problems are still relevant today. Mm -hmm. So to that degree, one has to solve. So like I said, currently we reach uh, about 4 million farmers. There are 120 million farmers in India. And even if you look at market-oriented farmers, the half of them uh, is 60 million. Uh, and assuming the other 60 million uh, farmers are reached through various social investments and those kinds of things and government interventions and all of that, and as well as the trickle effect of these business models, the, the problems that need to be solved uh, need to be solved for many more uh, farmers and for many more crops. So to that degree, different uh, set of players, whether it is the new AgTech or it is uh, conventional companies integrating tech and each of them come from a different vantage point and try uh, and solve uh, one or more problems uh, from their own perspective. Uh, it is a tech forward or it is a value chain backward integrating tech, uh, any which way it is done. So therefore, uh, in that sense, the, the large scope uh, that exists gives enough and more space for many more players. Mm -hmm. You know, today, agriculture is nearly a half a trillion economy out of our 2.7 trillions, uh, including all the uh, allied products like milk and uh, forestry and some of that. And India's own aspiration is to get to 5 trillion in the medium run. And agriculture has to get to about a trillion dollars in that. Mm -hmm. Now, for us to move from this uh, half a trillion to that trillion, and in a manner which... Uh, increases farmer incomes and uh, expands our exports and uh, serves the Indian consumers with what they are seeking uh, in the process deal with our food security and nutrition security and more importantly solve uh, problem of water depletion, topsoil and deal with big issue of climate change. I think the space is really very, very large and complex. Uh, so it takes uh, all hands on the deck. And uh, so everybody has a space and, and therefore it's not so much in terms of one versus the other as much as one and the other together. Mm -hmm. Like I said, the meta market model that we now have in 4.0 is a 
plug and play with microservices. You know, a host of startups, active players who have point solutions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that get integrated today uh, far more seamlessly than we have been able to do in the uh, 2.x series uh, model. So I think that's the way forward. I think uh, there is both a need as well as an opportunity for everybody to uh, join this. Sure. Finally, Shiva, what according to you is the lasting impact in these 21 years since each of all came into existence of the model? Uh, are there any lasting structural changes that uh, each of all could claim credit for? I mean, that's a great question. Vivek. You know, typically people look at transactions and stop at transactions. Okay, well, that is in itself big and important, how much income has gone up to the farmer and what business expansion has it happened to ITC and what other sustainability goals it has been able to accomplish, all of which we talked about. But I think uh, it's, it's very, very important, given the dimensions I just mentioned in response to your earlier question, uh, to also look at the more structural contributions that ITC Chopal uh, possibly made, I mean, at least from the way I look at it, is that uh, you know there are many other things that uh, it did, but let me just recount uh, three of them. You know, there is the importance of freedom of choice for the farmer, the alternative marketing channels. ITC Chopal uh, came in at a time when Mandi was the only option for the farmer to take the produce and sell. The only other thing that farmer was doing was at best selling off to a village trader. Uh, if the farmer was not able to take the produce all the way to Mandi, uh, it was so small and uh, so on. And then with no second option, village trader also uh, exploited with whatever price that uh, one could offer. So from an era of that uh, to a situation where you say there, Choices help farmers uh, exercise them and therefore bargaining power gets enhanced and alternative marketing channels are very, very important. So all the subsequent reforms in the agricultural marketing laws, uh, starting with the very first uh, amendment, which was done at that point of time to enable Ichaupal to actually operate to uh, uh, a series of things that different states and the center have then enabled is that uh, underlying spirit that the farmer should have a freedom of choice and and the choice really will help is something that uh, ITC Chopal has been able to demonstrate Mm -hmm. as uh, a very, very important uh, kind of thing. The other is that uh, conventionally, you know, uh, like one were to say a a BC as a before Chopal and uh, and after Chaupal, mm-hmm. uh, the, the conventional engagement with the farmers of rest of the uh, ecosystem has typically been, if I am a buyer of output, I am only interested in the buying transaction. If I am a seller of input, I am only interested in the selling transaction. If I am delivering extension services as a government uh, employee, then I just provide uh, that. And if I am a bank, I am just providing uh, a loan and, and so on. So this piecemeal engagement with the farmer, uh, getting transformed into an integrated engagement is something that uh, I believe we have pioneered Mm -hmm. in crops which are open-ended. They were closed loop crops like sugarcane, 
where sugarcane industry always engages the farmer holistically. Uh, as seed production farmers, uh, seed companies engaged uh, holistically. So in specialty crops, what was possible in uh, limited catchments and geographies, mm -hmm. but to create a market business model in a manner that it is possible to engage with the farmers in an integrated fashion. And that's what creates uh, value uh, on a multi-stakeholder basis. I think that uh, is the, the second uh, important uh, structural change uh, that today you find many uh, companies, uh, not-for-profits, governments engaging and doing it in an integrated fashion. And then lastly, I think, uh, even at a broader level, it is certainly in agriculture, but even at a broader level, uh, the engagement of business enterprises in developing their value chains, that you can actually create models in which you can make them inclusive. Uh, I think that effort really has uh, inspired many others to look at inclusive value chains uh, across different uh, kinds of... What, what do you mean when you say inclusive value chains? So typically, the supply chain engagement between one player and another in normal course is like a zero-sum game. Mm -hmm. That if I squeeze out from my supplier, that's when my buying cost is lower. That's why I enhance my profit. And supplier will say that unless I extract a higher price from my customer, I don't gain more income. And so is the case with them. That's what happened in the traditional agricultural chain. Because series of intermediaries acting as principles to transaction. And then their whole chain became opaque. The demand signals never reached the farmer and the product integrity was never maintained by the time it took the consumption, uh, the kind of problem that I explained in a different context. Mm -hmm. Now, in an inclusive value chain, where I become more profitable as a business, only by enhancing profitability of the farmer. And both of us can sustain our profits only if we contribute to environment in terms of water and topsoil and making us climate resilient and so on. So that really becomes inclusive that if you are only doing as a zero-sum game with one side gaining, uh, it is really excluding other stakeholders in the whole chain. Mm -hmm. Even when I bring in a farm input company or a weather forecast company into it, as to how do I create business models for them and improve their own profitability. So that really is how you become inclusive. So I think that's the an important lasting contribution that you know around the time that we were doing it, uh, the phrase uh, that became very popular uh, by late C.K. Prahlad finding it was profit at the bottom of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. So it is like, yeah, there is a bottom of the pyramid. I go and look for my profit. Versus an inclusive model is where you say that profit, yes, indeed, uh, there is their fortune at the bottom of the pyramid. But in the first instance, I need to enhance uh, the profit of these low-income people mm -hmm. to be able to participate in that. Mm -hmm. Expand the cake for everyone rather than you know hankering for a bigger yeah. share. And, and so intertwining, ah, absolutely. Intertwining the upside for the farmer who has a weak bargaining power otherwise mm -hmm. with the business objective of the uh, corporate uh, and, and similarly other partners who come in. I think that uh, is another... Uh, contribution to the whole uh, evolution of this thinking uh, is what I believe. Thank you, Shivakumar, for joining us on Field Notes. Uh, and until we meet next week, goodbye and God bless.
Thank you, Vic. I enjoyed chatting with you.